Welcome to Strip Christianity, where hosts Nicole Phillips and Kendra Lundstrom have raw conversations about life, ministry, and the adult entertainment industry. Wait, what? Nicole Phillips is the executive director of Lavish Ministries, a Florida nonprofit that provides support to women working in the adult entertainment industry. Co-host Kendra Lundstrom, who formerly worked in the adult industry, now serves as a survivor advocate with Lavish Ministries. This is Strip Christianity. Here are your hosts. Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast. I'm Kendra. And I'm Nicole. Hi. What are we talking about today, Nicole? So today we have another guest speaker I'm super excited about because Kendra, I don't know if you know this, but almost 50% of our listeners are men. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, because, you know, our analytics, we're usually about 80 to 90% women on all of our platforms. So the fact that this podcast consistently every week has almost 50% male listeners is really, really exciting and cool. Today, um, we're actually going to talk to someone who I would say I've known as an acquaintance um, for a few years now. We actually briefly met during one of my trips in Dallas, Texas. We have a few mutual friends and we've friended each other on Facebook a few years back and have been kind of following each other and we kind of know what's going on in each other's lives through social media. So we invited him on here today to talk about his story, what the Lord has brought him out of, and I am so excited to introduce you guys to Yvonne Gonzalez. Welcome. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Love it beyond. I'm excited. So you are our first man on the podcast. How do you feel? Right. I feel, um, I don't know. There's a lot of pressure, just let you know. There is a lot of pressure, but I feel really (laughs) good about it, so. So I'm going to hand it over to you and, you know, start us off with, you know, your childhood. What was your experience like growing up? Where did you grow up? And just lead us into um, kind of our topic today, which is pornography. Yeah, absolutely. So in order to kind of like really understand the timeline, I have to tell you how old I am. So I'm dating myself. So I'm 38 years old. I was born in 1981. So that way when I talk about like the 80s or 90s and you know, if I'm 10 years old, it's probably 1990. If I'm 20 years old, it's probably 2000, et cetera, et cetera. So um, when I was uh, six years old in the 80s, like uh, I, my, my friends across the street, uh, they had parents that were very private and they would lock the, their door. And so that would just kind of spark some curiosity in my buddies. And we got into their room and we realized that they had a ton of, uh, they had a giant drawer full of sex toys, uh, magazines, videos, uh, the works and at the time I was around six maybe seven and we popped in the video and that's the first time I came across uh, pornography um, I Did didn't you know? exactly know what that's yeah. that was my question <laughs> yeah I didn't exactly know what I was watching it like it, it grabbed my attention I laughed and wanted to see, see more and so I didn't know what it, exactly was happening um, but it, it also seemed like it was bad. At the time, I thought that sex was a bad thing that only bad people do. Because of probably the way we, the, his parents kind of shut it off. And then my friends like had to sneak in there to get it. And then, hey, don't tell anybody. So that was my first uh, like taste of pornography. But it, it made me want more. And so in the 80s at the time, like there's not like internet or any of that sort. So it came, it was hard to come by. But not in my neighborhood. We found a lot of magazines in the alleys had another friend that they had cable and then we knew what happened at HBO at midnight. And so I'd always sleep over and like, Hey, let's go turn on and see what's going on. 
but also my mom cleaned houses for a living and she would take me with me to help her and most of the people we went she cleaned house were, were I guess non-believers and it I could always find the pornography whether it's magazines in between the bed sheets or in between mattresses in the closet it's just like a, that was one reason I wanted to go work with my mom it's like I wonder if they have porn the 90s it was kind of hard to come by just because um, you know, you have to go to a video store. A lot of times I'd go to a video store where they didn't care how old you were. Um, and you know, the rent your radar movies. I was looking at movies like basic instinct or, or something with a lot of like nudity. But in 2000, I started going to college and that's when Napster was in and LimeWire and Kazaa. And we had high, uh, high speed internet at my college. And so that's when I started to realize that you can just search, go to these search engines, like a, a, a LimeWire and like just search porn and then a ton of videos and images would pop up. And for me, that, that was the start of the addiction because I was at the time consuming so much that I didn't know how to stop and there wasn't a reason to. I was doing it in my dorm room, nobody saw me, but I didn't know the harm I was doing. You find all those searches and I would just highlight everything and download and I would leave and go to class and eight hours later or at the night and I look, open the folder and check to see what downloaded it. And so there are certain genres that, that I liked. Um, and so I click on one video or the other. A lot of times, sometimes there were ads, like it'll be a porn site uh, that's saying, hey, if you watch the rest of the video, go to this site. The unfortunate part about that is uh, there were several times that sometimes I'd get like uh, 15, 14, or even child pornography. And I would say at the time, because internet was so new and it was hard to regulate, that that was the story of a lot of people in the early 2000s that were looking for pornography in these file sharing sites. The first time I saw it, I was completely horrified because I wanted to believe that that wasn't happening here in the States, that maybe this was an old video somewhere in Europe or whatever, but it wasn't happening here and that that kid was rescued right now. But I don't know that. And now as I've gotten older and, and wiser and see the statistics and it's more mainstream now, like I know very well that this is happening today and it's probably happening, you know, in my city. It definitely trains you to kind of desensitize yourself to dehumanize uh, women uh, and children. Porn consumption started coming down because of what I saw because I was coming across child pornography on a regular basis. The internet was so new and people were just going wild when it comes to searching and consuming pornography. But also what's happening when you're watching pornography is uh, you're probably uh, masturbating. And so every time you masturbate, you have an orgasm. So you start associating pornography to clicking the mouse, the computer, the keyboard, almost to the point that even if you don't want to watch pornography, as soon as you get to computer, even without desire, it start you start wanting to do it just because you have now trained yourself and every single orgasm that you've had gives you a dopamine kick and, and all you know is that when you get a computer, this is what you do. So they're no longer people, they're just names and faces. Uh, and then it skews uh, sex for male pleasure only. It, it detaches you from relationship. And so there's no wonder that Pimps and John's out there is like, well, you know, it's, it's just sex. Uh, just do it. We can create money. It dehumanizes the person. Even myself, you know, I, I pray and hope that I get married one day. I have to retrain myself that my wife is not for my pleasure. Our making love and sex is for a oneness and is to make our bond stronger.
And you see that in scripture when it talks about in Genesis 4, when it says Adam knew Eve and she conceived. But when you see in 2 Samuel 23, it says David lay with Bathsheba. And so there's a difference between knowing and making love. It's anonymous and just laying having sex. Oh, that's wow. good. Now preach. Now preach. Yeah. <laughs> that's so and true. So, and so but the thing is, men can do that in their marriage. If they consume a lot of pornography, they start to, uh, um, one, it actually, you get so used to probably masturbating and just pleasuring yourself that it's actually hard to pleasure with an actual person. And so when it comes to, you know, it's time to, you know, make love with your wife, you, you, just, can't, you just don't perform as well. When I was in a dating relationship once, I had mentioned that I saw pornography and um, I didn't realize that uh, how much that would hurt her because um, I was stupid naive. And one of the things that I told her was like, it's not like I cheated on you. Clearly uh, very naive and stupid, but that's how, that's what, especially men who are large consumer pornography, um, they're very visual creatures. It's really easy for them to detach their feelings from uh, like sex. It just perpetuates even a larger problem the more you consume porn. For me, uh, I, uh, child pornography was so horrific that my porn consumption did start going down, but I traded in for sex. I started going to MySpace and friending uh, females saying, hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm new in town. Wanted to meet some new friends. I, I would beat people and I would have to befriend them. And scripture talks about charm being deceptive. And so uh, just, you, can be, you can use charm and be genuine, but in general, charm uh, can deceive you. So I would use charm to kind of worm my way into, hey, let's, uh, let's go to your place. Or um, eventually that started taking too long of a time. So I just started going, I, f I found Craigslist uh, casual encounters and I just started looking for, you know, someone to sleep with. Eventually the real thing is what I desired more than pornography. Like I would want to see pornography because, you know, I wanted to have sex, but then I was like, I can spend my night looking at pornography or I can spend my time trying to hook up. Well, let me do that. A lot of times when I wasn't on Craigslist and I'm trying to befriend someone at Starbucks or whatever, I usually target divorced women or single parents um, because there's usually a backstory of them not being wanted or desired. So as soon as a guy that sh shows interest and really treats them well, it's very, very different for them. That was me trying to get my way. And a lot of it has to do with what pornography taught me because it taught me that uh, sex is for pleasure and it's for pleasuring me only. I, th I think I finally hit rock bottom in 2009 um, when I went to New Orleans. Going out of town meant there's a whole city full of w new women. And so that means new opportunities. And, and so anytime I went out, out, out of town, like I was actually excited uh, what new women were there. But I went to New Orleans and every attic has rules. And my rule was no cheating, and which is not the same of no married women. Because um, I had messed around with married women, but they had open relationships, so I was their husbands were aware of what they were doing, so I was okay with that. But um, I was talking to uh, a lady in New Orleans, and we had already made plans to meet up around midnight. And she said, "Okay, come midnight, but you need to be out by 1:30." And I said, "Why do I have to be at 1:30?" It's like, "Well, my husband is fishing. I want you to be out before he comes." So she was telling me that her husband didn't know. But I had convinced myself that, like, if it's not me getting this, it's someone else. So it might as well be me. 
And so those are the exact words of an addict. And so that night I met up with a lady, it happened and I left. And I just remember driving eight hours from Orleans to Dallas, like just the Holy Spirit really convicting me. Like it goes, this has gone too far. This is, that, that's when I realized like when you start breaking your own rules, that's when you know you're an addict. Because every addict has rules that makes them, makes it okay to do what they do. As long as I don't do this, I'm okay. After that happened, I finally told a friend of mine what was going on. James 5, 6, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so you can be healed. I always pray for myself, but no one ever prayed for me. I never confessed to anyone. And so that was a start of healing. And so between 2009 and 2012, I was in a uh, celebrate recovery program, toasted program, as well as being discipled by a small group of men that we met every week and just learned about the Bible and just confessed, you know, what was going on in our lives. And it took three years. And in between that time, like 2009 was not the last time I hooked up. It was uh, June 23rd of 2012. And the reason I know the exact date is because it was a buddy's wedding. But that was the exact last time that I hooked up. And at the end of the day, I think it was me tired of being a slave to this. I, I, I knew I, want, I wanted to have a family. I wanted to be healthy. I felt that God had a calling for me but because I was so like neck deep in this addiction. I didn't know how that looked like. And so eventually in 2012, the Lord revealed himself in such a miraculous way that I was, I felt delivered. There was a specific day in August where uh, I, I really said, Lord, I keep going to these things and uh, like I have a scarlet letter and I went through this prayer night and I just went in expecting that the Lord would move. And as I walked in and sat down and just before anything started, I just kind of prayed and the Lord kind of just showed me, it's like, yeah, you go to these places thinking you have a scarlet letter and it, it goes, you are free. You don't have a scarlet letter. And I actually like looked down at myself and I'm like, you're right. Like, why do I have to struggle with this anymore? And so since then, since August of 2012, my that's part of my story is in it, it first of all it started with being disciplined in celebrate recovery and all those tools really helped and the second was just revelation from the lord that you know kind of just naming you know my worth and my value and who you are and that's not who you are now and it's like a light switch you completely changed it and so now things are, are much different i am still i know that lust or, or might be a, a a bend and so i just kind of protect myself from it like uh making sure like what, what i watch movies um maybe going on uh, online to see if a movie's going to have nudity um so I, you just have to be a step ahead sometimes because like life brings you pain and then sometimes in order to cope with that pain you want to numb it with something you know some people it's alcohol other people drugs and a lot of people it's pornography um, and that's another reason people kind of kind of deal with pornography addiction because they, they're like it's not hurting anyone uh, we know today like it hurts a lot of people i'm still learning daily i'm still want more freedom and uh, the lord's been very gracious with that so it's been a little over eight years Eight years, yes. It's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's been good. The Lord's been good, and He's been giving me more opportunities to speak and minister to others. I do want to mention this. Like, I, I, my, I did grow up with an alcoholic father, and there's a lot of moments throughout my childhood where I didn't feel wanted because of my, my parents were having so many problems that, like, uh, I never felt like loved or pursued. And so, what what sex did is it made me feel valuable and powerful. These women wanted something from me. And, and there's a sense of like, well, that, that makes me valued. 
And so I didn't know that until after I, uh, I was healed from it. Like you can learn by obedience or by revelation or both. And for at first it's like, you know, just know that the word says like, you know, flee sexual morality. Okay. Well, I'm going to stop because the scripture tells me to. But sometimes the revelation of why you do things, it helps even more. And for me, I learned later on that like it was it was because I didn't value myself and I found value in these women because they wanted something from me. Right. Um, yeah. And so, but yeah, uh, that's the now when I when I have a, a desire or it pops in my mind, uh, I start thinking like, okay, what I want? Okay, I'm feeling lonely right now. I'm feeling sad right now. I don't, I'm not feeling valued. I feel small. It goes it goes, and I don't want cheap counterfeit sex i want to eventually get married and find and, and make love to someone that knows me and values me for what how god made me i think you touched on a lot of really um important things the world views you know pornography is just something you do or whatever but i think you kind of really touched base on the chemical reactions that change when you become addicted to watching porn and the just things that happen in your body that affect you greatly from being an addict of this. I wish that was more knowledgeable and more out there because a lot of, I've had conversations because of our podcast, Nicole, about people asking me questions about, you know, well, why do you guys say we know watching porn so bad or whatever? It's just, you know, it's normal. And a big thing is too, that a lot of these people don't realize that they're watching these girls and it's not, always consensual videos and that's also a huge thing a huge realization that people need to kind of know and be aware that what they're watching they're also participating in somebody's tragic story somebody's tragic trauma that they're going through every time they're clicking on that video so it's not really a question but it was just uh, something i thought about when i was listening to your story but that's awesome that you were overcame it and you were you know um telling us and sharing your story and um, yeah god has a lot of great things in store for you by using your testimony to help others heal thank you appreciate it yeah i pornography is 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 not something that's healthy it, it definitely skews your view of, of women and uh, completely detaches you um from reality there there's nothing natural really about pornography everything the way they're painted the way they, they have the camera angles. None of that is actual natural sex. It's all. Mm-hmm. And so when, when guys watch pornography and, and when they want to have sex, that's what they want. And so at, at the end of the day, they end up, you know, kind of even forcing women or their mates to, to do something they're not comfortable with. And I think that's why, you know, even date rape is so prevalent in our world. It's like, yeah, you, you want it. You want it. I'm sure I watched it in a video where, where she, she really wants it. I agree with you. Um, I think, especially being a, I don't, a survivor myself of many things, I think that people, you know, they watch these videos and that's what they expect sex to be like. And then, you know, being on my end of the, the story, it's, it's terrifying sometimes. Um, they're wondering why you're not into it, of how it is on the sh- movie or things like that. And it's definitely, I think, just plays a huge role mentally of the expectation of how mm-hmm. people, men or women who watch porn, whoever the viewer is, of how sex should be. And then when they go to actually have sex with their husband, wife, whoever, that it's shortcoming. So then they fall back on relying on that to, you know, get off, for lack of better terms, because they can't even perform anymore because it's 
they have conditioned their mind that this is the only way they're able to get off mm-hmm. is through a screen. So yeah. it's really kind of messed up if you go down that rabbit hole. Something I noticed uh, while I was uh, doing my thing is um, a lot of times, uh, there's a few times I can remember where uh, when I was in Florida, in Sarasota, I, I, I had made plans with, with a woman and we're going to meet at Starbucks. And a lot of times I would see the, the pictures they would send me, they were being hotel rooms. And I'd wonder like, why are you in a hotel room? And sometimes I'd say, oh, I just travel a lot um, or I'm just here uh, short term. But this one specific situation uh, in Florida, uh, I was I was really, really iffy about meeting up with this girl. And there's been a lot of times where I felt that way, but I still went with it because, you know, addict but i remember just being really iffy and so when i went to starbucks i parked further away um so i can kind of see when she showed up and i saw a car with two men in the front and then a female in the back and after when i saw that i just took off because i knew it was her and she was texting me and saying hey where are you and i said no you're with two men and she responded was like oh they're my coworkers. I just want to make sure i'm safe I don't know what would happen if I actually met up with her, with the men, if they would talk to me or it, 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 I mean, now what I know about trafficking, like that, those are huge red flags there. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times where like, I was curious, I was always curious of what I was stepping myself into. So if they would give me the numbers, like when they would give me the numbers to kind of communicate, I would Google it. And a lot of times I would find their numbers in, in, on Craigslist ads for different cities. Uh, and so mm-hmm. what we know now about trafficking is they're, the, the pimps and johns are all constantly moving them around. They're always traveling. And so I saw a lot of that. It just, it just didn't make sense to me at the time, but now it does. Bring us up to date. What are you doing now? What's what's happening in your life now? I started getting more involved with uh, trafficking and I noticed that men have a very uh, strong voice when it comes to trafficking. Um, a lot of times when men think about trafficking, it's like they always think of, uh, um, you know, the movie Taken. Um, mm-hmm. Even having some co-workers, they, they're like, it's like, oh, because we're talking about kidnapping, right? Like when you, when you go serve in trafficking, like you're talking about kidnapping, right? Uh, like rescuing. And I'm like, no, man, like there's a lot more than kidnapping. And, and then I'll have a, I've, I have several conversations with coworkers. They're like, that doesn't happen here, right? Like, that happens, like, overseas. And I'm like, this happens in your town. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the people are just not very aware. But I knew that I had a story. There's a few organizations I'm involved here in Dallas. One is Rescue Her. Another one's called the Poema Foundation. I'm part of the board there. And my local church has one called Reclaimed. And, and some of them is like we're claiming we go to different parts of Dallas when we have missing children's posters and uh, we, we go to areas where we, we, we see we're trafficking. Uh, we believe it's happening. And so we go and, and want to create awareness that, hey, we do notice that these are local children and they're missing and that we're looking for them. And, and with Rescue Her, we go, go on Friday nights to a strip here in Dallas. And I mean, you, you can see the women just uh, on the street and we usually have water and usually some something we give them like a lip gloss and we have a sticker with a number of the organization because we give it to, to the ladies and a lot of times like uh, the only time they're left alone is in the restroom so that we're, we're always praying and hoping that they'll, they'll they'll look at the at the lip gloss and notice a number and if they need help they can call it um other times we're just love, loving on them. Like we, we try to create relationships as we go every Friday night, you know, know their names. They usually give us their street name. 
but we want to let them know it's like hey like we're, we're just here to live on you and here it's a hot night do you want some water but I, there's several times where when i've talked to a female but when i said hey just want, just want to let you know that you're val- you you are worth more than these men are looking for um and you're valued and we come out here because we care about you and we care about your safety and um and so you know we hope that you know you, you give us a call um and there's several times that i've seen women kind of tear up as i i, I say that or or the, the the i'll see it in their eyes they'll tear up or, or they'll walk away but I, I i've noticed that like man if i could if i can have men come out here and really say hey you are valued and loved and you don't need to do this because most of them, that's all they know. I mean, the statistics of being uh, sexually abused and broken home, single parent family, like the, the only love they know is this bad touch and this bad love. I, I, I do want men to know that we don't just need you to go out there because we need a man to be protected. We need you to speak, speak life into them. Well, thank you so much, Yvonne, for joining us today. We really appreciate you sharing your story with us. And um, do you have any resources or any websites you would want to direct some people to in regards to porn addiction and recovery and just general resources? I think Celebrate Recovery, um, I think is .org. If you just Google Celebrate Recovery and find a local chapter, uh, you can look for Regeneration Recovery and there'll be a website. And you can also search by zip code. I like X Church also a good resource there's a lot of good things groups that you can uh, join online so you don't necessarily have to find a church that's hosting regeneration so recovery triple x church actually has online groups and then last is fight the new drug they have a lot of different resources there just to just facts about like pornography and whatnot so you can google that as well fight the new drug and so i i think there's always something that you can do to heal if you really want to be out uh, uh, you know, want to fight this porn addiction or sex addiction, there's, there are resources now, even in, like if you speak Spanish, there's resources in Spanish as well. So that there's, there really is no reason you shouldn't, you can't find something to help you. Well, thank you so much, Yvonne. Yeah. Gotta yes, be thank here. You. So nice to meet you. So nice to meet you too, Kendra. Thanks, Nicole. Thank I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strip Christianity. For more information, questions, or to contact the show, please visit lavishministries.com forward slash podcast. That is L-A-V-I-S-H-E-D ministries forward slash podcast.